Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Box Score Bros. This is episode number five. I am your host, Alan Barney, and tonight I am riding solo. My good friend and co-host, Danny Heffernan, couldn't make it in tonight. Hopefully, we'll have him for the next episode later in the week. But for now, it's just me and my listeners out here tonight on a beautiful Monday night. I hope everybody had a wonderful start to the week. I know some people can catch the Monday blues, especially with this rainy weather, but that's okay because we've made it through Monday and now you're listening to me on the box score bros and we got a lot of topics to cover. It's been a long time since we've been able to do a show and here we are a lot of things. Like I said, we got to mention football, NBA, MLB, but before I jump into sports, there's a couple things I want to cover a couple shows on Netflix that I watched over the weekend that I would recommend you watching. The first one is a more of a reality show slash social experiment and kind of was foreshadowing to a pandemic like world when the show came out in early 2020 called this show is called the circle and it starts out with eight people, each one in their own apartment in, in a building, same building, obviously they don't get to see each other. The only way they get to communicate with each other is through messaging and being able to see each other's profile and photos. So it really goes to show don't judge a book by its cover through social media and you really just get to know somebody and it's not, it's not what it all seems on the outside looking in. So very good show. I recommend I've made it through four episodes of season one and I can't wait to watch more. Uh, another episode, another show, excuse me, documentary. It's about an hour and 20 minutes. It's called Why Did You Kill Me? Which is about the accidental gang-related shooting of a young woman out in California named Crystal Theobald. And, and also another socially social media-related one. Another very interesting, sad piece, but well worth your time if you have an hour and a half to watch something on Netflix. So enough about... Netflix and documentaries and reality shows, it's time to jump into what this show is about, and that's sports. And the first topic I'd like to cover today is 36-year-old quarterback and reigning comeback player of the year in the National Football League, Alex Smith, called it a career and retired on Monday. Great career. He was the number one overall pick in the 2005 NFL draft. Got put with the bus label early on in his career, his rookie year. Had one touchdown and 11 interceptions over eight starts. Many people thought he wasn't, he didn't have what it took to be a franchise quarterback coming out of the University of Utah. But uh, after two more years struggling and toiling with the 49ers, Jim Harbaugh came in as the head coach and really changed the whole direction of the franchise, especially leaving a lasting imprint on Alex Smith and made him into a great quarterback. And then Smith eventually went to the chiefs where he kept rolling and Andy Reed, another offensive genius quarterback guru, kept him productive, got him to the playoffs a few times before he eventually left the chiefs and ended up with Washington football team where he had the notorious horrific 2019 leg injury and many people thought he was never going to play football again. Smith himself said he thought he might not live through the process, had over 10 surgeries on the leg for various reasons. So 
It was a very heartwarming story to see Smith back out there in 2020. And with everybody having a rough year, it was just a good positive story for everybody to see and be like, hey, if he can make it through that, we can make it through this. He went six and two as a starter for Washington before dealing with his own injuries. Washington dealt with a lot of injuries overall at quarterback as they started three different QBs during the season. So, but the main focus of this topic, Alex Smith, like I said, it was labeled a bust early on. And there were a lot of busts in that 2005 NFL draft. That draft is notorious for two things. The how many busts were in the early picks and then Aaron Rodgers sliding to 24 while he waited in the green room to be picked. Rodgers, obviously the face of that draft class now looking back. But some of them busts in 2005 will be remembered for a long time. Braylon Edwards, who went third to the Browns. Cedric Benson, rest in peace. Went number four to the Bears. Troy Williamson, who went seventh to the Vikings. Carlos Rogers, who went eighth to what was then the Washington Redskins. Mike Williams, who went tenth to the Detroit Lions. All of these guys were major busts, never panned out to what they were supposed to be. And then here you have Smith, who really talk, took off, like I said, after Jim Harbaugh came in. After uh, Over his career, he made three Pro Bowls. He's one of five quarterbacks in NFL history to pass for 35,000 yards and rush for 2,500 yards as he joins John Elway, Fran Tarkenton, Donovan McNabb, and fellow draftmate Aaron Rodgers. So, great career. Had the seventh highest passer rating in playoff history. Uh, threw 199 touchdown passes in his career. His overall record in the playoffs doesn't speak for how good he was he had 14 touchdowns one interception in those seven starts in which he went two and five he was part of an epic collapse against the Colts when he was the starter for the Chiefs as they blew a 38-10 lead in the AFC divisional round game but overall in the grand scheme of things Smith had a solid career for a number one pick probably one of the better number one picks in the history of the NFL I wouldn't say top 10 but he's in maybe top 15 and he'll be remembered for a solid quarterback who led some teams to the playoffs. And I would say he's going to be remembered fondly in the NFL fan circle. So that was the big current story uh, over the past, over the weekend and today, as he retired Monday afternoon, let's talk about NFL free agency. I'm going to touch on it real quick because I don't want to get too deep into it because uh, my co-host Danny and I will, cover that deep in the next episode we'll do a deep dive of free agency and the draft that's coming up next thursday but talk about some of the bigger free agent signings dak prescott head of the class he re-signed with the cowboys after that standoff with him and jerry jones got four years 160 million dollars leonard williams re-signed with the giants the defensive lineman got three years for 63 million dollars Trent Williams re-signed with the 49ers. Shaquille Barrett, Levante David re-signed with the Buccaneers. They were two key cogs in that Super Bowl run for the Bucs. Kenny Galladay, one of the bigger moves. He went to the New York Giants on a four-year deal to add another weapon to Daniel Jones's disposal. Joe Tooney, longtime Patriots offensive lineman, changed over to the Chiefs on a five-year deal after the Chiefs cut two offensive linemen that were starters last year. Patriots made huge splashes as they signed a hellacious duo at tight ends in Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. 
Henry getting three years, Smith getting four years to help out Cam Newton, give him some weapons. They also gave him speed slot receiver Nelson Aguilar. So a whole lot of weapons coming in for Cam Newton, especially with Julian Edelman retiring. Great career for him. Wish him the best of luck in his post-football career endeavors. On the defensive side, the Bucks signed edge rusher – I'm sorry, the Patriots signed edge rusher Matt Judon from the Ravens. So Patriots not really been known for making big splashes in free agency, but they did so this offseason with those three and gen- four in general. And it'll be interesting to see if they can mesh well together and be a playoff team in what's now a pretty good division with the Bills and the Dolphins in the AFC East. Other big signing, uh, some of the big free agent tags, Allen Robinson with the Bears, Justin Simmons with the Broncos, Brandon Scherf with Washington, Chris Godwin with the Buccaneers, Marcus Williams with the Saints. So a lot of big franchise tags there. Marcus May for the Jets was another one. So and it, was, it was interesting to see what would happen with all those situations because like with Allen Robinson, for instance, he had a lot of cryptic social media things going on during the offseason that made it seem like he was leaving for sure, but they settled on the franchise tag and he'll be in Chicago for at least one more year. Other notable signings, Will Fuller signed a one-year deal with the Dolphins coming off a career year. Corey Davis, former first-round pick, going on to the Jets with a three-year deal. Juju Smith-Schuster re-signed with the Steelers. As a Shaquille Griffin, Seahawks linebacker moving on to the Jaguars with a three-year deal. Patrick Peterson, Dalvin Tomlinson, both going to the Vikings to shore up that side of the ball for them. Jameis Winston seems primed to take over the Saints quarterback starting role after re-signing with them for one year. Jadavian Clowney signed a $10 million deal for one year with the Cleveland Browns to match up with Miles Garrett. Sammy Watkins going to the Baltimore Ravens on a one-year deal. Kenyon Drake will join former college teammate Josh Jacobs in the Raiders' backfield to make a two-headed monster out in Las Vegas. So a lot of interesting moves. As I said before, we'll cover that in the next show. We'll get real deep into it, probably give out which teams were winners and losers in the offseason based off free agency. And as I said before, we'll preview the NFL draft as it starts next Thursday with the first round. But as I said, I don't want to talk too much about football because pretty much the whole episode coming up later in the week will be all football. I like to talk about some other, other sports, you know, going on maybe the NBA a little bit as they are reaching the stretch run of the playoffs the Philadelphia 76ers at the top of the East at 39 and 17. And over in the West, the Jazz are 42 and 15 and lead the West. And the Sixers, kudos to them. They've had to deal with a lot of issues. They had a COVID outbreak early in the season. Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris have missed time. Ben Simmons has missed time. And they've just been chugging along with the Nets on their heels, the Bucks right there. They've just been playing great basketball and we'll see if they can keep it up through the playoffs. The jazz fending off a lot of teams in a very deep Western conference, especially the Phoenix suns, the suns I've been high on them all year. They were my surprise team in the first episode of the box score bros. They are 40 and 16 sitting at second in the West. And what an impact future hall of fame point guard. Chris Paul has been on the young guys, Devin Booker and Deandre Ayton who were, 
expected to take over as faces of the franchise, but they haven't had any playoff success up until the bubble last year. And now they're in prime position with Chris Paul leading the way and showing them the ropes. Hopefully Chris Paul gets that first ring this season. You just never know. A couple of teams I am down on recently, the New York, the Brooklyn Nets, even though they're 38 and 19 and second in the Eastern conference, James Harden still out with a hamstring issue. Kevin Durant, another issue has cropped up, had to get an MRI for a thigh contusion today. Who knows if he'll miss a bunch of time again. He's already missed a few weeks with a hamstring issue. The Denver Nuggets, who are 36 and 20, they lost their point guard, Jamal Murray, for the year with a torn ACL, a horrible injury. Tough break for the Nuggets after they went all in at the trade deadline to get Aaron Gordon. They should be a playoff team, but their road gets that much tougher without their point guard there. It'll be interesting to see how much more Nikola Jochik picks up for the team. A couple teams I'm pretty high on right now, the Boston Celtics, 31-26. and 26. As of Monday, they've won six in a row and eight of nine. All their pieces are back and healthy. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Kemba Walker, even though he'll miss in a game occasionally for maintenance and the rest. They're a good team, and I think they can sneak up on one of these top teams like Philly or Brooklyn and knock them off in a playoff series if everything falls right for them. They have they have that much talent and depth to do it. Another team I'm high on that a lot of people probably aren't right now is the defending champion Lakers. They're sitting at 35 and 22 and fifth in the West. Anthony Davis coming back soon, but they've just been doing their thing without their two superstars, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And of course they picked up Andre Drummond off waivers, a huge pickup. And yeah, I'm not much into conspiracy theories, and I know I'll probably catch some flack for this opinion, but I truly believe they have been sitting LeBron James on purpose to rest him for the playoff run because it's going to be a dogfight in the West with the Clippers, the Jazz, the Suns, the Nuggets, Mavs, Blazers. There's so many good teams out there, and they're going to need LeBron at 100% every night. And, I mean, nobody's ever, no team's ever going to say that they do it on purpose, but I have a feeling that this might have been part of their strategy just to get ready for the playoff run. And they had extreme confidence in their other guys and like Dennis Schroeder and Montrez Harrell. And that's been showing with how well they've been playing, even with Davis and LeBron out. So we'll see what happens there. We'll see if LeBron can get that fifth ring. Um, so there's a lot of interesting trends going on in the NBA right now. My top five NBA teams at the moment, I'll start from five to one. At number five, I got the LA Clippers. And at number four, I got the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm saying these two together because both of these teams are just lying in the weeds. They've been really quiet all year. We know Kawhi Leonard is going to be a monster in the playoffs. He's ended many dynasties, even though there's no current dynasty at the moment. You just know he's going to show up and maybe we'll see a different Paul George in the playoffs this year. He's been on fire all season, especially from beyond the arc and the bucks. Like I said, they've been quiet all year. They were the number one team in the East last year. They had the MVP and Giannis and they've just been hanging around in the three, four area in the East the whole year. Giannis isn't playing every night, which is probably strategic as well as they get him ready for the playoffs. Drew holiday, has been an excellent third option coming in in the offseason to support Giannis and Middleton. 
and they got a good a lot of good depth pieces. I really think they could beat Brooklyn or Philly in a seven game series and get to the finals. Will they? We'll have to wait and see about that. My number three team right now in the NBA, I got the Phoenix Suns. I've been high on them all year, ever since they got off to that great start out of the gate. Chris Paul has been an excellent motivator and mentor for Booker and Aiton and these younger guys. They got a good amount of depth and role players. I really think they could make some noise in the Western Conference playoffs. Will they make it to the finals? I don't think they'll get past the L.A. teams, but you never know. You just never know in the playoffs. And then my top two teams, I got the Jazz at one, Sixers at two. They're the two best teams record-wise in each conference. They both have great depth, a lot of role players. They got their stars, although I'm a little concerned about the Jazz for the next week or so because their star, Donovan Mitchell, will be out with an ankle injury. Hopefully it's not too serious, but it would be worthy to keep an eye on if it's going to linger or not in the stretch run and into the playoffs. And he might sit out some games here in the next month or so. So the NBA, as I said, very interesting. Who knows what will happen right now? If I had to make a prediction for the NBA finals, I would have to say it'd be the Milwaukee Bucks and the LA Lakers. And that's probably not too many people's picks, but that's just what I'm going with. I think Giannis and the Bucks are going to really turn it on in the playoffs. And I think they can knock out the Nets. The Nets, they just, they really concern me, not only with their injuries, but the big three of Durant, Harden, and Kyrie have not played much together in the season. And they, they're going to need to get time soon, but they can if one or two of them are hurt. And it's, I don't know how difficult it's going to be for them to play for the first time for long stretches in the playoffs. And when they face adversity, how are they going to handle it with each other? They haven't really faced that in the regular season. So something to keep an eye on if they can get all three of them playing together over the next month or so before the playoffs start. And then as for the West with the Lakers, I just think it'll come down to the Lakers and Clippers and they'll probably win in seven, but it's going to be, that's going to be a dog fight for sure. I imagine. So some of the news in college basketball that relates to the NBA, uh, Jalen Suggs point guard from Gonzaga, who is the leader of the, Bulldogs all the way to the national championship game. The number three draft prospect, according to ESPN, he has decided to enter the NBA draft after a freshman season in which he averaged 14.4 points, 4.5 assists, and almost two steals. And he did it in less than 30 minutes a game. This guy is an excellent passer, great scorer, great body control. He is going to be a lottery pick for one of these teams that needs a point guard. And when you can never have too many point guards in a shooting era. You can you can always use another one. And he's been getting comparisons to LaMelo Ball and De'Aaron Fox. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Suggs once the draft comes in the summertime. And then just a level lower, at the high school level, the number one prospect in America in, in high school basketball, Chet Holmgren, uh, committed to Gonzaga the same day Suggs entered the NBA draft. Holmgren has said that Suggs is a close friend and was a big influence on his college commitment decision. So Holmgren's just going to join Gonzaga, who was the best team in the regular season this year and throughout most of the tournament before they lost to Baylor in the championship game. And Holmgren's coming in, and they are projected to be the number one team heading into next year. We'll see if they can finish the job in 2021. 
And in terms of NBA prospects, Holmgren is the projected top pick of the 2022 draft, a seven foot center who can shoot. That's a unicorn. And, you know, teams are going to be clamoring or lining up for that in 2022. So keep an eye on how, how good Chet Holmgren does and what will probably be his only year at the college level at Gonzaga. So that's my basketball spiel. I'd like to move on to the last major sport that's kicking into gear and that's major league baseball. They just started their season a few weeks ago, entering week three of the season crazy to say that already it feels like it was just opening day yesterday but some trends so far the Yankees who were World Series favorites heading in they are off to a AL worst five and ten record their offense is not hitting guys like Glaber Torres Aaron Hicks Gary Gary Sanchez are struggling they really don't have much rotate rotation depth past Garrett Cole so it'll be interesting to see if the Yankees make a big splash at the trade deadline or who knows what will happen. Luke Voigt's injured right now. That will be a big piece for their lineup to get back. But they will really need to start turning it on soon. Don't want to big dig too deep of a hole because their arch nemesis, the Red Sox, are off to a hot start. After finishing in last place in 2020, the Red Sox are 11-6, and six, and they had recently just had a 10-game winning streak that ended. But they are hot, firing on all cylinders right now. J.D. Martinez, Rafael Devers, Alex Verdugo are leading the offense. On the pitching side, Nathan Avaldi and Eduardo Rodriguez are pitching great. Their bullpen's been lights out. And it's a good story to see with the Red Sox because they were left for dead after how bad they were last year and trading Mookie Betts. And then Chris Sale went down with Tommy John. And he'll be back in a couple months, hopefully, for the Red Sox. And here they are. They got the band back together and they're leading the AL East right now have a American league leading 11 wins. We'll see if they can keep it up. It's a long marathon of a season in baseball. A couple of other surprises. How about the Kansas city Royals sitting at nine and five on, as of Monday, they're over four, four games over 500 for the first time since 2017, as they're getting towards the end of what was a deep rebuild. And they're starting to see the fruits of their labor Veterans like Salvador Perez and Whit Merrifield, who are holdovers from that those World Series teams, the one that won in 2015, they're still around. Young pitcher Brady Singer is the ace of that rotation. They just got a lot of good pieces and good fortune right now. We'll see if they can keep it up and then maybe make some big moves at the deadline. Another team that's off to a good start, and that's surprising, is the Seattle Mariners. They're 10-6. and six leading the American League West. They have not been to the playoffs since 2001. That's the longest drought in Major League Baseball. And that would be a heck of a story if they can make it in. And they're doing this without the reigning AL Rookie of the Year, Kyle Lewis, who's been on the injured list. But just a sum-of-all-parts team that's playing good baseball at the moment, but still a long ways to go. In the National League, the Dodgers are – by far the best team in baseball record-wise at 13-3. and three, The defending champions are carrying, have carried that momentum from 2020. Obviously, these the rate they're winning at will slow down, but they are clearly the best team in baseball at the moment, and who knows if they will ever be caught up to this year. They have Trevor Bauer, Clayton Kershaw, Walker Bueller, Julio Rios in the stack rotation. They got a loaded lineup with Mookie Betts, Justin Turner, and they don't even have the 2019 NL MVP Cody Bellinger 
who's out with a hairline fracture in his fibula at the moment. So good things going for the Dodgers right now. The Giants, one of their Dodgers rivals, sitting at nine and six. They haven't been to the playoffs in three or four years after winning those three World Series in the early 2010s. And they're off to a good start. They are somewhat in the midst of a rebuild, but they haven't fully committed to it yet. And they're winning the analytics game. They're finding a lot of these guys that they are having success with off free agency who have been left for dead. And guys like Kevin Gaussman, Donovan Solano are performing well, Alex Dickerson. So it'll be interesting to see if the Giants can keep up with that two-headed monster in the NL West of the Dodgers and the Padres. Some of the surprise players. How about Yerman Mercedes, the Yerminator, the White Sox catcher slash DH, who's been in the minor leagues for a few years, never made a major league plate appearance up until opening day 2012 of this year. He is batting 404 with four home runs and 12 RBIs. He became the first player in major league history the opening series of the year as he started out his career eight for eight at the plate. And that is just incredible. It may not ever be replicated ever again. Another guy in the American League, Texas Rangers first baseman, Nate Lowe, who was kind of a cast off from the Tampa Bay Rays, traded in the offseason. He leads the American League with 16 runs batted in. He also has four home runs. He's off to a hot start as he looks to show what the Rays are missing out on. We've also saw a couple big moments recently in Major League Baseball. Joe Musgrove for the San Diego Padres. He made history throwing the first no-hitter in franchise history against the Texas Rangers a little almost two weeks ago. That was a huge moment. Many Padre fans were ecstatic and over the moon about it. Musgrove, it was big for him being a San Diego native to do it for the San Diego team. So good vibes out there. Carlos Rodon a former top prospect draft pick for the Chicago White Sox threw a no hitter for the White Sox last week, big moment for him as he's had to deal with a lot of injuries to his shoulder and elbow over the past few years, but maybe this is the year Rodon is putting it together. We'll see. He's definitely off to a good start. That seems encouraging. So there's a lot going on with sports right now. Baseball's just ramping up basketball's in the stretch run football there's not much going on right now spring practice just ended in college so but the draft is coming up next week which will be the high point of the off season and then we'll get a couple months off before we really start to get into preseason camp and and whatnot as the tampa bay buccaneers look to defend their super bowl title uh as i said before i was riding solo tonight next show my buddy danny will be back on and that show will most likely be aimed towards the National Football League as we go over our thoughts and give out our grades from free agency and we start to make our draft predictions for next Thursday night in the first round, which will for sure be a hectic night. No idea what's going to happen. <laughs> who's going to make trades? Who's going to go where? We have no idea, but it'll definitely be fun and everybody will be tuned in. Once again, this is the Box Score Bros. My name is Alan Barney. I appreciate you coming on to listen. I hope you have a great rest of your week and we'll see you next time. Have a good night.